morning, listeners. Welcome to the Chamber Connections, Connecting Business with the Community. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Mark Shatner, General and Robotic Surgery with a specialty in foregut surgery as well. Welcome to the podcast, doctor. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. So going through all of my notes and in preparation for today's conversation, I have a lot of questions in regards to GERD and treatment and all these different things. So we're going to just dive right in and kind of talk about what are some of the causes of some of the things that you've been seeing um, lately uh, in a lot of your patients. Great. Well, people are often told they have reflux or GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. And it's that diagnosis is handed to people so readily by doctors because one, it's a common problem. So like 14 million people with this diagnosis in this country, or at least 14 million people who are taking medications for reflux disease every day. And the medication, which is one of the most commonly used are called proton pump inhibitors. They're like omeprazole or protonix. So many of you are on them or may know people who are on them. But the medications are pretty safe and they cover several different problems. So they're readily given without truly making the diagnosis. So reflux, GERD, what it truly is, is when contents from the stomach come into the esophagus. And that can cause things like heartburn or chest pain or you can have fluid coming into your mouth at night or after eating. It can cause a cough. Many symptoms that people don't even realize could be from reflux. But on the other hand, lots of things can cause heartburn or chest pain or what some people call indigestion. So you may be on the medications for reflux, but never have reflux. So to me, the big issue is making sure that the person has the proper diagnosis so that they are on the right medications. Or if they're having symptoms despite pills, that we know what the other options for treatment are. So the only treatment for reflux is not just a pill. We have multiple surgical and minimally invasive techniques and procedures for people, but we need to make the right diagnosis. How does one decide if they should be taking medication, um, looking at their diet, or considering surgery? How does an individual um, come to realization of which one's best for them? I think the important thing is, first of all, you do need the help of medical professionals. And they don't all have to be a specialist to take to get started in helping the patient know what's safest for them. There's a there is one cancer in the Western countries or the, you know, the more advanced countries or the countries that spend a lot of money on healthcare. Right. And that cancer, despite all we do, is esophageal cancer. It's called mm-hmm. adenocarcinoma of the esophagus. It's the only one increasing in incidence. And it started to increase once these antacid medications became available. And that's because people have been able to, one, take medicines for symptoms, and it makes the symptoms get better. But if you have a precancerous lesion causing the symptom or cancer causing it, it may make you feel better until maybe it's too late to take care of you. So the important thing is to get to a professional, a medical doctor, if you start having symptoms such as heartburn or 
pain when you're eating, difficulty swallowing, a feeling of stuff coming up into your esophagus. And then that's when the medical doctor will talk to you, get a good history and may decide, you know, let's try some things first. You don't need to go right to surgery or see a surgeon. Let's do things that'll make your symptoms better. It may even make you healthier. Uh, one is to reduce the amount you eat, lose weight, eat less, coffee, alcohol, cigarettes, nicotine causes weakening of a valve that, it, that exists between the esophagus and stomach. And if you weaken that valve, food can come up when it's not supposed to. So you can reduce your symptoms just by eating well and not sleeping flat at night, maybe sleeping, raising your body on some pillows or a wedge. Uh, if that doesn't help or help enough, or if you're having pain when you come in, often they will start you on those pills. Mm. And I think those pills are great. They're effective. They're safe. They're really good at stopping acid. They don't stop reflux though. Yeah. What they do do is they stop the stuff that comes from the stomach that goes into the esophagus from having acid in it. So it doesn't hurt as much. So it doesn't stop the reflux, but may make it manageable. And then you may not need anything else. But what I tell, recommend to people is that if you take those pills and they make you feel better, that's fantastic. But stop it after a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. So that take your sense. pills, see the response, stop after two weeks and do all these other healthy things, reducing your weight, you know, all those things I talked about. And if your symptoms come back, that's when you need to go to the next step, which is seeing a specialist. Now you could come see me, but this is very reasonable to see your gastroenterologist. They, a gastroenterologist is a physician who specializes in problems with the gastrointestinal tract, the esophagus, stomach, small intestine, the whole tract. And they can do an endoscopy or order some other similar tests. In endoscopies, when we take a tube and we look down this into the esophagus itself, we make you sleepy. So you're really asleep for it. It's a, it's a very well-tolerated procedure. It can be done on almost anybody. And we can see if there's a precancerous lesion in the esophagus. We can see if there's a hiatal hernia. That's where you have a hole in the diaphragm where the esophagus goes through, but it's gotten too big. So the stomach comes up into the chest and that could cause reflux. These things could be seen. So if we don't see that there's a precancerous lesion or that there's cancer, then it's safe to try medical therapy for a prolonged, prolonged period of time and try these lifestyle changes and see how you do. I tell you, the hardest part for me was coffee. And people don't realize, yes, we love our good cup of joe in the morning that gets our day going. And some people like to have multiple cups of coffee throughout the day, but you're 100% right. That is one of the things that could be leading to some of these issues. So for our listeners out there, if you're having any of these complications, you know, here that this list that um, Dr. Shatner Shapes um, was able to uh, share with us was a list of items that we really have to take a look at. And you're right. It's our diet. It's our day-to-day -day things that we do. But I do have to say, there are many people who've optimized their diets, or even if you can't, you know, you have, you're living in the world you're in. We're yeah. not all perfect. We want our coffee. We want uh, alcohols. And other oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we want to be able to drink. We want to be able to eat at night 
with our friends and go out to dinner and then go to sleep and not have to wait four hours for things to settle down. So if medications aren't doing it for you, yeah. and 40% of people on medication still have symptoms, at least you can be educated on the non-medical options for treatment. And we have some very good uh, minimally invasive treatments. And we have very important tests beyond endoscopy to really see if reflux is your problem. Because if you don't see cancer, you don't see an ulcer, you don't see precancerous lesions, you may or may not have reflux. But the endoscopy doesn't tell it to you. Mm. There are some special studies that we have right here at the Heartburn Center at Bird Health Coral Springs, which can, with, without significant discomfort, help diagnose whether you really have reflux. And only about 0.5%, half a percent of patients on medications on a daily basis have had the tests that we do to show that you really have reflux. Wow. And 20 or 30% of the patients I see who still have symptoms despite medications don't have reflux. They never had reflux. They have another problem that may need surgery, but may need a different medication. So at least you're being treated properly and you can get your symptoms reduced by getting the proper treatments, so by getting the proper evaluation that we can do at the Harper Center at Broward Health Cross Springs. What are some of those procedures that you talked about that would stop the GERD? I mean, you know, that could hopefully mitigate it and kind of gives that person that, that change that they may need that may be out there that people aren't aware of. Right. You know, we have, it's, it's a shame that so many people and even doctors aren't aware of how effective and safe uh, these really four procedures I do are. Okay. So uh, one is just the repair of the hiatal hernia. Somebody has a hernia where the stomach goes in the chest that can cause symptoms itself and also can lead to reflux. So one is the repair of the hiatal hernia. I do it robotically because I do really big hernias and really small hernias. So all of them can be treated with robotics, which means, and we have the newest robotic equipment over at the Broward Health uh, Medical Center at Coral Springs, where we can make small incisions and fix that hernia with sutures. Sometimes we'll use also absorbable mesh. So it doesn't stay in there permanently for the large hernias. And often it's an operation where people go home the same day or the next day. But in addition to fixing a hernia, which probably 70% of our patients have who have significant reflux. In addition to that, you have to do an anti-reflux procedure, recreate some sort of barrier between the stomach and esophagus that lets food or liquid go into the stomach, but doesn't let food or liquid go up into the esophagus, unless you wanted to. Sometimes we want to burp and yeah. we want to vomit. Our old procedures really didn't let you do those things, but the new ones do. So the new ones we have now is something called transoral incisionless fundoplication. That's TIF. We create a new valve in the esophagus and stomach totally endoscopically through the mouth. Wow. For select patients. For other patients, we can, after we repair the hiatal hernia, put this magnetic bracelet in. And this bracelet has little magnets covered with titanium held together by titanium bars. 
It's a little bracelet that opens under a certain pressure. So it allows food to go down, it allows you to burp, it allows you to vomit, but prevents reflux. And then the last procedure we do is we take the stomach and we wrap it partially around the esophagus. All these are done minimally invasively. Wow. I do it robotically with the small incisions, but wrapping the stomach in a special way around the esophagus creates a new valve that prevents reflux, but allows food to go down. We used to wrap the stomach all the way around the esophagus. And that sometimes prevented you from vomiting or from burping oh. and caused bloating. But now we found a way to do it with a partial wrap. So partially wrapping the stomach around the esophagus and people now can burp and often can vomit, but we reduce their heartburn dramatically. And it lasts for a really long time, usually for the length of the patient's life. Oh, that is great. That was the question I had for you. What was the success rate and how long does something like this last? But no, that's great to know that you all have made all these new strides around um, how to really help people improve the quality of life because it's so important. And who'd think we'd be talking about, you know, wanting to burp and vomit, you know, if you think about it, but those are natural occurrences that happen as humans. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> we should also talk about, besides the the treatments, <clears throat> you need to learn your treatment options, you know, medications or these yeah. different procedures. I do all of the procedures so I can give you, you know, the risks and benefits of each. They all have advantages and disadvantages. But importantly is how do you know what procedure to use if you don't even know what the patient has? Right. So that's where the testing is so important. So not just an endoscopy. And we have the newest a test available at Broward Health Coral Springs, but we normally use a, one, a, a, a grouping of six different tests. So let's talk about the test just to see if you have reflux. The test for reflux is a choice of two. One is we put a wire down the nose. Now this sounds horrible, but it's a small little wire. It does go down the nose. It's attached to a box and it measures acid and detects fluid and air that comes up into the esophagus. And you walk around with this for a day. And this can tell us how often you have heart, how, how often you have reflux, how often stuff comes up from the stomach into the esophagus. It shows us how well your esophagus empties. Is it working properly? And you mark on a diary and you hit the box when you have symptoms. So we could see if you have a symptom when you have reflux. Wow. Now, people are not crazy about wires in their nose. No, they're not. <laughs> most, most people tolerate it, but they don't like it. So uh, we have a new test that we do at the Heartburn Center here, where we do endoscopy. We go in with a tube down your mouth while you're asleep. So people like being asleep while we do things. And we tack in it actually works by suction and a little clip. So we clip on this little probe into the end of your esophagus. And this probe will measure acid in your esophagus. And it transmits wirelessly to the same kind of box. And you tell right up, tell you press on the box when you have symptoms or when you're sleeping, when you're eating. And it will measure acid levels up to 96 hours. Wow. Afterwards. And we could look for uh, after what happens over four days. And I can tell you, is your reflux abnormal? Does it correlate with your symptoms? I can give you a good idea of how likely it is that we can help you. 
So that's great for checking if you have reflux or not reflux. Awesome. Then there are other aspects where we have to look at how good is your esophagus? Is your esophagus weak? And that's what's causing your symptoms. Is your esophagus too weak for us to make it tight at the bottom so then you can't eat? Do you have an abnormality in your esophagus, which we call achalasia or gastric outflow obstruction? Uh, but do you, I mean, esophage, esophageal junction outflow obstruction. Uh, do you have these issues that are making you have problems when you eat, which needs a special procedure for that, which I can do. Uh, so these, there are two procedures for that. The wow. one we used to do, and we do in our office, and we also do it uh, for our Health Curl Springs, is called esophageal manometry. Here again, we have this tube that we put down the nose. <laughs> well, this is a gold standard. It works great, but a lot of people don't like it. But this tube has these sensors in it and beautifully evaluates the valve in your throat in the top. And that can tell us if you have issues up there. It shows us how strong your esophagus is and shows us how weak your, your valve at the esophagogastric junction is, or, or it's also called the LES, a lower esophageal sphincter. It shows us if that one is too tight or if it's too loose. It's so crazy. If your valve is too tight, you have the same symptoms as if it's too loose. You can't tell if food's making it to the stomach and coming up or makes it to the bottom of the esophagus and comes up. It's obviously important to know. It and that is. can diagnose it. Well, perfect. People don't like that test though. I'm so sure. Have, yeah. So we have a new test called endoflip. It's endoluminal planimetry. I can't even say it. Endoluminal <laughs> planimetry. But it's called endoflip, uh, where we, when you're asleep, after we do the endoscopy, we put a this balloon catheter in. We check the position and we blow this balloon up, and your esophagus responds to the balloon in a nor in a classic way, depending on how good your esophagus is, and it also measures how tight the esophagus is and how tight the lower esophageal sphincter or that valve is. So it gives us a lot of information that manometry does without putting a stinking tube in your nose. So people, well, you lost me at the tube in the nose. <laughs> so this is something only available in a few places. And we've, we've had this since uh, November or December. Okay. And we've been using it extensively. And not only do we use it to make the diagnosis, I can use it interoperatively, and I do. So when I'm creating a new valve, when I'm repairing the diaphragm, I can check how tight or how loose I make it by using this balloon in the operating room. And I can make sure it's not too tight or too loose to make sure you don't have, you have less of a chance of having recurrence or less of a chance of having difficulty eating after surgery. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shatner. This was great dialogue and great conversation. And I know there's a lot more for us to be able to learn, but I want to make sure I give our listeners your contact information to be able to follow up with you. Um, Dr. Shatner can be reached through the Broward Health Heartburn Center. The phone number to reach him is 954-755-2219. Again, 954 755 2219. Dr. Shatner, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and to um, educate myself and all of our listeners. And I wish you a great day and a happy holiday.
Thank you very much. And same to you and all your listeners. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.